Alright, let us pray. Ever-living God, whose will it is that all should come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, inspire our witness to him, that all may know the power of his forgiveness, the hope of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay, so we've kind of been teasing this because every week, there's always been something, no matter who we've been talking about, we've all kind of, some maybe different from others, but we have seen good. Like something that we would go, okay, let's take, we can take some of that, or we can appreciate that. Whether it is another Christian denomination, a different religion, whether, whatever it is, devotion, practice, we've all seen all the good. Um, but there has been one common theme, no matter who we've talked about. And we're going to talk about it today. One thing that has come up time and time again has been, you know, I don't quite see how people can believe that, but they're believing in something. I don't see how anyone can believe in nothing. It's come up a couple of times. So we, today, we are going to be talking about what is perhaps the world's second oldest religion. And that is going to be atheism, agnosticism. Because for as long for almost as long as people have been around, there have been people who just don't believe. And as people of faith, people who believe, it can be kind of hard to go, I just can't look at the world around us, how someone can look and say there is no God. Some of us might even be able to say, you know, I can see why someone might not be sure. They might question. There's a lot of different churches and religions. I can see how someone might be confused or just not be able to commit. But I just can't see how someone can flat out refuse to believe that there's a God. But for almost as long as people have been around... There have been those, whether they admit it or not, just don't believe. We think of all, we think of like the ancient times, where there were the tribal religions, or even we think back to ancient Greece or Rome, and you go, okay, I can believe, I can see how someone can be walking around the streets of ancient Greece and go, you know, I just don't think that Zeus is real. Because they all, if they all the gods live on top of Mount Olympus, well, Mount Olympus is right there. And it's not that much of a hike up the mountain. I can go up there and I can see that Zeus is not there. We can kind of wrap our brains around that. 
But as people of the Christian faith, who we believe that God has come, came down from heaven, was born of a virgin, died, rose again, and then ascended into heaven, we believe that, our, that God is in heaven, even though we can't see it, we know it's there. We go from a faith not based on something that is seen, but unseen. And so there's a little bit of a disconnect where we can, we can believe that someone is fine not believing in something that they don't see in another way. But it's a little bit harder when they don't see it our way. But throughout history, whether it was, we have the numbers of the, all the Israelites who were delivered out of Egypt, who saw the Red Sea parted, made it to the promised land, and then they weren't quite sure that God could provide a way for them to actually enter the promised land and conquer it. So what did God do? They wandered for 40 years out in the desert. They wandered until almost everyone who was originally brought through the Red Sea was dead. There were only two people left. And so there's a whole generation of people born into this wandering. And you would think they didn't see the Red Sea parted. They weren't there when they were delivered out of Egypt. There's going to be more than one or two people in this entire nation that are going, you know, i just not sure about this whole God thing. We talk about it. Sure, it's giving us a nice way of life, the rules to help us play nice with each other. But I really don't know if he's up there really don't know if he's in control. It's been a long time since then. There's a whole lot more people in the world today now than there were then. So basic math, that number is going to grow. And so for as long as there's been religion, there's been people who've said, no, there's no religion. That's not for me. There is no God. But it really came to prominence. It became what it is in the 18th century. That was the first time we ever see the word atheist written down, recorded. An atheist, it's a simple word. Theist is someone who believes in God. An A is a prefix that means they, it means no. So it just means people who don't believe in God. First came to real prominence, became a a thing, rather than just some guy over here, some lady over here not believing. But it became kind of a way of thought, like most of our ways of thought. In the 18th century, this little thing that we like to believe was kicked off called the Age of Enlightenment. Because it's the 1700s, we have got 
ships all over the world. We have conquered almost every corner of the globe. We are wealthy, prosperous, we're healthy, and, well, we are no longer those people living in the dark ages of kings and lords in this feudal system. We're business people now. We're people of science. We are enlightened. We are no longer those people who just strictly believed what the church taught them and farmed the land, went back to church, farmed the land. We are good, reasonable people now. And if you remember a little bit of history in the 1700s, lots of things happened here. A big thing kind of happened here. 1776. But our cousins on the other side of the ocean, just a few years later, in France, they said enough is enough. We are tired of this king lording over all of us, taking all the wealth, and using the church as a tool to punish, to block, to maintain all of the authority in the king, we're not going to have it anymore. We're doing away with the king and everything that he stood for, which means we're doing away with the church. And that was the first real political movement that advocated for what they call the supremacy of reason. It was the French Revolution. And so all of these churches, there's a big, pretty famous one, in Paris, um, it's got the hunchback in it, um, Notre Dame. The, during the French Revolution, they went through and ransacked the churches. All of the gold was taken, destroyed, melted down. All of the places where they kept the relics, they were overturned, cast out in the streets because they were done with all of the superstition. And there was a big movement to take Notre Dame and raise it. Because, well, this cathedral is a monument to the church and everything that we're against. And the only reason it was saved is because it is a really, really pretty building. And so they took it, and all of the crosses, all of the statues, all of the paintings thrown out on the garbage heap. And for years, it became the temple of reason. And you're there, and you would go in, and you would look at all this great art, and you would say, look at how good man is. Look at how good people are. Look at what we've done, what we've created. And you would go and you would study because, well, people are smart. We are reasonable. We are advancing. God has nothing to do with this. God built nothing of this. This was all us. And that continued. And that influence spread and spread and spread. 
Because as people went to war with each other, well, war is a very eye-opening thing. And it is fairly easy to look at the death, destruction, the carnage, and say, you know, I don't know how a loving God could condone this. Create this. So as these wars, these the Great War, World War I, which had bloodshed on an untold level, and then World War II, which also had bloodshed on an un, almost untold level, people said enough is enough. And so in 1967, Albania became the first country to write in their constitution that there is no God. We are not going to, we have the separation of church and state here, but they said that the country, the state, our official position is that there is no God. And that continued. Continued and it spread and it's spreading to even to this day, there are a whole lot of people around us who look at the world and they see it a little bit differently than we do. And they say, I just don't see how there can be a God. So what do they believe? Well, they believe nothing. That's not quite true. Um, but everyone is different. And one of the things about atheism is that you kind of study, you read, or you don't, but you have to figure out in your heart what is right. And so what's right for you may not be the same thing that's right for me, might not be the same thing that's right for them. So everyone is their own person on their own journey, searching for their own thing. a pretty lonely thing. It can be a very lonely thing. How do they explain the Bible? With the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the authors, and the time, and the countries, all these things were written, and yet they don't, they don't contradict themselves. Yeah. A lot of them will say it is just a collection of stories, of tales. Um, there was, a lot of them will say it was kind of invented by the Catholic Church. And then, because, well, we didn't really have a Bible before the church, um, so it was invented, created, so that there would be something that people could read that says, this is what you have to do. Or some will say, you know, it's a good, it's a good story. It gives us some good morals. But it's not holy. It's not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because, well, there's no such thing. And so the Bible, you can read it. You might learn a few good things from it. But it's not necessary. And some will say that it's a complete fabrication. That some people got together in a room and said, All right, 
Let's get started. Let's write something down. Let's make it convincing. That's kind of how a lot of them see the Bible. So this originated in Albania? Is that what you said? Oh, it originated well before that. But you said that it was put in... They were, they were the first country Britain. to officially declare that the state was atheist. Okay, and where were we at in the United States at that point in our <clears throat> walk with God? We, the majority of us. Or a that's, lot of it. Oh, yeah, that's kind of a, a hard question to answer um, because, well, everyone's different. Yeah. Um, at the time, we see. What year did, pardon me, but what year did Albania say that? Uh, 1967. Okay, wow. So, you've got yeah, to remember what was going on in 1967. Yeah. Not everybody was super happy with the way things were. Um, the Vietnam War, yeah. yeah. We've got the Vietnam War. Civil We've got the rights. Civil Rights Movement. We've got a huge kind of lasting trauma from both World War II, the Korean War. And we've got this enemy who we're not fighting but we are fighting over in Vietnam, who's a threat to our good way of life. So are you saying that a lot of people um, might have been saying that they didn't believe in God because if God were with us, how could he let all these people get killed yeah. and all these, yeah. yeah. Okay. You see, all, you see all this going on and it can be kind of hard to reconcile a loving God with death and destruction. Our president has been assassinated. There's a lot going on. What was that in, 63? Oh, 63. And so, while church attendance is still fairly high, it was never like 100% uh, but there are a lot of people in the pews who will go to church. They'll read along. They might sing the songs. They'll say the creed. But at the end of the day, they are functionally atheists. Wow. And not a lot's changed since then. There are a whole lot of people in the pews today go to church they might be able to reason out that there is a God but in their heart they're just not sure in their heart in their life their thoughts their actions they might say there's a God but they are functionally atheist because like the screw tape letters yeah mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I read not too many months ago about priests and pastors who were uh, uh, questioned off the record and 
about 20% of them said they were atheists. Mm -hmm. But it was a good way to make a living. Oh, really? <laughs> it was a good way to make a living being a priest or a, or a pastor. But they were atheists at So when we were living in Canada, there are some churches, they are open for everyone. And there is one famous church in Toronto. They are famous because their pastor, their leader, is a proclaimed atheist. And so they have this church service, and their readings come from wherever. If you want to read Dr. Seuss, you can get a good message from the Dr. Seuss book. That's what we're going to read on Sunday. church has been in decline for it's been in decline attendance has dropped drastically over the past century because well we no longer need church because for ages the church was where you got together with other people it's where you got your sacraments it's the place where you got married, you got buried. It's where you made business connections. For a long time, if you were going to get elected to an office, you had to be going to church. And there were specific churches. So if you really wanted to go and you wanted to get on the city council, and you weren't going to the right church, it's time to move. Doesn't matter if you actually believe what that church believes or not, you gotta be seen over there. Because Ben, ben Franklin had pews in four churches in Philadelphia. <laughs> That's called covering all your bases. That's a printer for you. He's a smart guy. We we've come a long way because in our Constitution, there are 1,100 mentions of the Bible in our Constitution, the American Constitution. Now, I know that, especially now, it seems that they're trying to uh, say it's not worthwhile anymore, that it's old hat, and we should move to the new age, so to speak. So who knows, in a few years, there may not be any mentions of, it, of the Bible in our Constitution. Well, when, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, when you mentioned the Age of Enlightenment, I couldn't help but think, that's what hap what's happening today. We, we think, you know, I mean, there's been so much technological uh, advancement that you know, people tend to think, rely on themselves, and there's no other person I should rely on when I'm so great. You know, I've done so much. And, and I, you fail. Well, I, I can't help but think it's happening now. Yeah. 
to quote a book. One of the problems, uh, and, and I read this three or four years ago and, and asked our uh, uh, bishop about it. Uh, it said that in 25 years that religion with a central authority would go away. And the reason for that is, is because the central authorities are, are trying to be all things to all people. They're getting away from the Bible and they're becoming all things to everyone. The fastest growing churches in the country are the cowboy churches that are based strictly on the Bible. And that's it. And those are the ones that are moving forward. Ours continues to shrink because it was just like the Methodist church in my they just flipped because of a central authority that, that deviates from the Bible. Do you agree with that? More or less. Um, the, the bishop would not answer my question. <laughs> and this was at a meet at an executive council meeting. He started the issue. Oh, if you're in an executive council meeting, <laughs> you'll never get an answer on anything. But we know. Yeah. There is, you know, go ahead, and then I'll kind of I'll wrap up your two questions once. Uh, things that I've found over the years in teaching that field of the mind are how science and God are one. And that's hard to... Uh, that's hard to refute because you can look at water under a microscope that has love on it and it looks like a snowflake. You have paint on it, it looks like big because packing color green and yellow. And another scientist, a neuroscientist, has proven that negativity can grow black branches in your brain. And as you change those receipts, and it's proven in science by by scientists. Yeah. Because that was my big question: was how does science uh, mesh with God? And there is no difference. He's there. We just have to look. For a very, very, very long time, the church was the forefront of science. The Big Bang, that idea that there was one event that kind of started the entire universe, that, was, that came from a Catholic scientist. And who created that? <laughs> genetics. The founder of genetics was a monk. The church has never been anti-science. Now, there are some instances where the church said, your science, we need to kind of take a step back and look at this. And eventually, the scientist was proven right um, because our understanding changes. Because humanity is constantly growing. We're constantly learning. We're constantly inventing, constantly moving forward. But there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. There's nothing new under the sun. 
So it may seem like we are trying to, if we're wanting to rewrite the Constitution or wanting to change everything that we know because we are the masters, we are the ones in control, there's nothing new under the sun. Because when that Constitution, when our Constitution was written, it was written by people who were heavily influenced by the Enlightenment. We don't need kings. We don't need one central authority because, well, we are smart. We are reasonable. We are products of the Enlightenment. And we're going to go be who we think we should be. And they did use the Bible to kind of support their points. But not all of them believed. Uh, a lot of them, if they were in our churches today, we would go, oh, I think you might be a heretic. Because, well, a lot of them thought each other, the other ones were heretics. But they were all influenced by that idea that we are the ones in control. We are the masters, the creators of our future. There's nothing new under the sun. The same thing that we think now, they thought in 1787, they thought 1583, and so on, and so on, and so on back. Because, well, we're human. We are prideful people. And that pride can get us in a lot of trouble. They can convince us of a lot of things. There are all sorts of different flavors and branches of atheism. But they all have one thing in common. We are the masters of our fate. We are the ones in control of us. But do you think that You may believe in God, but at the end of the day, are you, in the, are you the one in control of your own fate? Are you the captain of the ship? And that can be a hard thing to reconcile. Because, well, I am a prideful person. I want things my way. <laughs> I want to be the captain of the ship. Because I know best. But do I really? Do we really? At the end of the day, I can be incredibly dumb sometimes. I can be incredibly dumb all the time. But I can't believe we can do both. I mean, we ultimately believe that God can, whenever he wishes, take complete control of us, of ourselves. But I believe that he puts us here and he gives us will and brains and knowledge and, you know, so forth. And maybe he doesn't give us knowledge, but he gives us the, the, added, the aptitude to learn. And so we basically do control ourselves 
with the constant thought that hopefully we're doing his will. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. Because we are made in the image of God. That doesn't mean that God has a face like ours, fingers, toes. Jesus did, does, did, does. But God is not necessarily looking like us. There's not a guy sitting on the throne with a great big beard. But being made in the image of God, theologians have debated for a very long time of what that means. But one of the things they think it means is that God created us, created the world, and we are made in his image so that we can create, we can help tend the earth like he commanded us to. We can build cities. We can make the world good, better. We can progress. But is a human progress the end-all be-all? Are we the ones actually in control? We are given a whole lot of control. I mean, we can do a whole lot of things. We put people on the moon. We were able to do that through reason, through science, through creativity. But ultimately, God is the one in control. God is the one who put the moon there, who created us. And so all of the creativity, all the work, the free will that we have, it is used, can be used for good. But ultimately, God is the one who pushes to the ultimate good. Amen. He's going to give you free will. Yeah. But he wants you to choose him. And bottom line, God is love. That's it. Yeah. God is love. You ought to be able to know when to go with him. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like, if you're going through a tough time and everything, you might not always get your prayers answered right then. But if you wait for God <laughs> to catch up and... and catch up. <laughs> well, he's got a lot of prayers to answer. You know? And, and I'm thinking, okay. And that's why I think God tells us, wait. Be still and know that I'm God. And uh, I think a lot of people that don't have that same hope, I feel sad for them. I'm always feeling sad for people that don't believe in God. And because I'm thinking, like she said, how lonely. If you don't have anybody that you can count on and go to in times of trial, when stressed. <laughs> it comes down to trust. Once you learn to trust God, you just let go. Yeah. You let go. What were you going to say? I tried really hard not to say anything. 
can't help it. I spent 60 years of my 83 years saying I was a Christian, but I wasn't. I was a skeptic until I walked through these doors at St. James. When I met Annette, and she brought me to St. James. But I was a skeptic. My children were, two children were raised in the Catholic Church and went to Mass every day. My two children went to Episcopal Church, went to Mass every day. I went on Christmas, maybe. But anyway, I'm a product of trying to do it yourself. Not trying, I just, I admit, I've been doing that since I was a baby. It was all me. I never gave, I never said, well, the last resort I'll pray. I just didn't think about that. But when I came to this church, for some reason, I went to Christina, this and that, and all that. But anyway, I started reading, and I found all the proof I needed. It didn't start 22 years ago. It started 22 years ago. I didn't know everything, but here I am now. And every day, I believe harder and harder and more. The disciples going off to kill, you know, to martyrdom. You don't do that for a fake or a falsehood. But lately, I've been reading about the miracles. It's a Catholic deal, but I mean, they're pretty good at checking miracles out. And you read these miracles, there are about things that happen in Jesus' time. There are miracles that happen where millions of people see it. And it's, you can't doubt that what we read, read in our scriptures, which is, goes back to the time of uh, Jesus, right after the death of Jesus. You just can't help or not believe in God. And I've, I've come a long way in 22 years from where I was, but it gets better every day. It does. When we experience Jesus like that, it is, it can be hard to see how some people just don't believe. Because, well, we've experienced it. But, Jesus told a little story. You may have heard it. I hope you have heard it because we talked about it not too long ago. But where there was a sower out sowing seed. Some fell on the good soil, and some fell on a rocky path where there weren't any roots, or where the sun scorched it. There will always be people who just don't believe. But that doesn't mean we stop trying. That doesn't mean we stop telling. And it may seem like we are trying to write God out of everything. We're trying to push faith off to the side. But for centuries, there have been those attempts. The disciples went off to martyrdom, but the church persisted. The gospel spread all around the world. Asia, Africa. And it met up on resistance. But God persisted. We talked a little bit about the 60s and how we had this 
scary power over here on the other side of the world that we are fighting. One of the first things they did after the the revolution, which now we just kind of want them all together. It's the communist revolution. But they decided that, well, we have to shut down the churches because the czar and the church were oppressing us. And we killed the czar, so now we need to kill the church. But they couldn't. There was such pushback from the church and Russia that they had to make those exceptions. And while they didn't change the Constitution to explicitly say that the USSR was an atheist nation, they said that we are going to functionally run with atheist tendencies. But we can't stop the church. We can't stop Christ. There will always be people who believe. Just as there are always going to be people who don't believe. But the church has existed for thousands of years. And despite multiple, multiple, multiple attempts, it has never been snuffed out. Because you can't snuff out the spirit. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.